This is E4H Speaks, and we are so excited to have Jeff Shantz, the Director of Health Sciences and Technology, join us today. Jeff sits in our Boston office and has a super impressive resume. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us today. I'd love to get the conversation started and talk a little bit about what role pandemics have in city design and rethinking public spaces. So the pandemic that we're currently in is new to all of us because the human race has had the luxury in the last hundred or so years of having antibiotics and vaccines available. But I think it's important for societies and civilization in general to remember that uh, these things have happened in the past. And human history is complete with other pandemics, including Justinian. There was a bubonic plague. There was the Black Plague in Europe, the pandemic in 1918. And the thing to keep in mind, and this is especially true for those of us who are concerned with the built environment and how science and cities might affect it, is each pandemic has had an effect on how cities are designed. So, for instance, during pandemics in the past, cities have been modified to do things like have sewers, or the street grids have been modified, or the housing codes have been modified. In the 1800s, most American cities uh, transmitted diseases quite easily, and the lifespan of people who lived in cities was lower than the people who lived on farms, primarily because of infectious diseases. That trend started to reverse once cities started to employ regulations about the density of housings, the way that streets and sewer systems were built. There was a hygienic level that came to the design of cities starting in about the 19th century, that, at least in North America, that started to improve the health and welfare of people. So that trend tends to continue today. And as we emerge from this pandemic and learn from the things that we know about this virus and other viruses, we can look to other parts of infrastructure that have either helped us or hurt us during this pandemic. It's important to keep in mind that there are things that we can do from a design standpoint. There are things that we can do from a policy standpoint, from a behavioral standpoint, and from a technological standpoint that can change the, the, the course of the pandemic. And that has been reflected to a certain extent in the guidance that we receive from governmental agencies and other academic and medical agencies that give us some guidance on how we should behave. You know, the current policy about mask wearing, for instance, we know now that we're six months into the pandemic that wearing a mask does indeed interrupt the transmission of the virus. And that's the type of thing that can help us as we go forward in thinking about what the design of buildings should be. I think the real question might be, once we understand how the science works, once we understand how the, the virus works, uh, what can we do to make the world a safer place to be until such time as we have a vaccine or treatments? That's all really great information, Jeff. Thank you so much for sharing that. Lots of food for thought there. I wanted to back up a little bit and maybe talk about how did we get into this situation uh, that we're currently in? I think it's important to keep in mind that there's a couple of first principles in effect here that are interrelated that brought us to where we are. The first thing to think about in terms of urbanism is the fact that cities uh, have grown very rapidly 
you now have human beings coming in contact with animal populations in ways that they did not before. So one of the things that happens with diseases like coronavirus is they tend to jump species at some point. We know now through the genetic study of the virus that it originated in bats. And those bats probably interacted with other animals, especially if they were fruit bats or vampire bats. They may have transmitted the virus to other species who then came in contact with humans. So when you do come in contact with other animals that act as a reservoir, in other words, the bats don't die from the virus, but they carry it. But human beings do because our immune systems have not been dealing with this particular virus. The other thing that comes into contact with the fact that cities are expanding is the fact that the climate is changing in the world. We are experiencing a period of rising carbon saturation with temperatures going up. And the fact that temperatures are going up means that warmer zones on Earth are moving northward and southward towards the poles, which means that a larger percentage of human habitation is now going to be subject to species that they don't normally come in contact with. When there's climate change going on, what will tend to happen is those species will move into climates that they normally wouldn't be in. And that would expose larger portions of the population to infectious diseases that they normally would not see. And that would make infection rates go up because those populations that were not used to dealing with those diseases are now exposed to them. So there's a direct interaction between uh, climate change, between the infectious diseases and expanding urbanism. So some of the things that we would want to keep in mind in going forward in the design of not only buildings in general where people live, but the buildings that people do the research in to find the cures for these things, what are the sorts of things that we would want to keep in mind? And I think that those first principles are going to affect the way that we go about this, just as energy and sustainability has driven a lot of what we see in building design today. So what does this mean for the future of building design and planning? When the energy crisis hit in the 70s, one of the reactions was to immediately lower the air change rates in buildings by making them uh, use more recirculated air and less fresh air. And a lot of that led to a lot of the HVAC codes that we have in terms of energy savings in buildings. One of the, the goals of the energy code was to lower the energy use in buildings and thus lower the carbon footprint in the atmosphere. Buildings in the United States use 66% of all energy. So if you lower the energy profile of buildings, you're essentially doing something about global warming or climate change, I should say. In time of pandemic, having recirculating air in buildings is not a good thing. That's something to consider, for instance, in going back to schools. Most of the schools that were built in the last, say, 30 to 40 years are probably built under those energy codes and have a high degree of recirculated air. So the air systems in those buildings are going to transmit this virus because it is an airborne virus. One of the things that we face is this balance between the energy code and what the pandemic needs. So in a short term, it may be that we up the ventilation in buildings and forget about the, the energy and, and we plan for in the middle term to recapture some energy performance. Uh, and then we balance that, that whole thing out. As we look to the future of this, I think that it's going to be important to kind of draw a line between these three things, which is public health, climate change, and energy. 
And as we look towards those three things converging together, it is likely that we should be looking at not only alternative energy sources, but healthier ways to inhabit buildings, specifically uh, around infectious diseases and around public health, but also to look at the design of the buildings so that they are energy efficient enough so that they can support not only this lower carbon footprint, but also in a way that the buildings start to aid in not only in helping us in terms of climate change, but helping us in terms of public health. And that will affect the way that cities are designed. If we do have more efficient buildings, uh, if we do have more healthy environments, the growth of urbanism will be eased and will tend to infringe less on the, the habitats of species that harbor or are uh, reservoirs for infectious diseases uh, than they are otherwise. So I think that, you know, on the one hand, there is going to be this tremendous drive that we're experiencing right now towards vaccines and drugs that will help us survive these sort of infectious diseases. Uh, but in the end, we do need to evolve. We do need to evolve our cities. We do need to evolve the way that we use our cities. We do need to evolve the way that we treat public health. But we do need to think about all these things and how they, how they uh, interact. It's the convergence of these things, both in human history and science, that's really going to drive the way that we design our buildings. I guess the thing to leave you with is really the thought that uh, Winston Churchill gave to us when, when he thought about this. And what he said was, we shape our buildings and thereafter they shape us. So it's extremely important to understand that the buildings that we live and work in, they impact us. And they do, to a certain extent, record where we've been, but they also show us where we're going. So when we think of these things in the time of pandemic and where we might be before, during, and after, I think it's very important to understand that as these events start to converge around us, we do need to be nimble and we do need to be able to meet it head on and, and really design solutions uh, that will make it better for us. Wow, thank you, Jeff. That was fantastic.